0: Listening to the Mystical City of God in Your Podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, you can head on over to Facebook and there find the Mystical City of God in Your Podcast group, and you can then share your own thoughts and insights about today's readings. If you would like to support this free podcast. You can do so by sending a tip through Venmo to the handle Mystical City of God. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. Amen. Today is day number 360. We are reading from volume 4, book 8, chapter 19, paragraphs 740 to 746. 740. The most prudent mother prostrated herself at the feet of her son, and with a joyous countenance answered, My son and my lord, I beseech thee, let thy mother and thy servant enter into eternal life by the common portal of natural death, like the other children of Adam. Thou, who art my true God, hast suffered death without being obliged to do so. It is proper that as I have followed thee in life, so I follow thee also in death. Christ, the Savior, approved of the decision and the sacrifice of his most blessed mother, and consented to its fulfillment. Then all the angels began to sing in celestial harmony some of the verses of the canticles of Solomon and other new ones. Although only St. John and some of the apostles were enlightened as to the presence of Christ the Savior, yet the others felt in their interior its divine and powerful effects. But the music was heard as well by the apostles and disciples, as by many others of the faithful there present. A divine fragrance also spread about, which penetrated even to the street. The house of the cenacle was filled with a wonderful effulgence, visible to all. And the Lord ordained that multitudes of the people of Jerusalem gathered in the streets as witnesses to this new miracle, 741. When the angels began their music, the Most Blessed Mary reclined back upon her couch or bed. Her tunic was folded about her sacred body. Her hands were joined and her eyes fixed upon her divine son, and she was entirely inflamed with the fire of divine love. As the angels intoned these verses of the second chapter of the canticles, sugerae, Propera amica mea, that is to say, arise, haste, my beloved, my dove, my beautiful one, and come, the winter has passed. She pronounced those words of her son on the cross Into thy hands, O Lord, I commend my spirit. Then she closed her virginal eyes and expired. The sickness which took away her life was love. Without any other weakness or accidental intervention of whatever kind, She died at the moment when the divine power suspended the assistance, which until then had counteracted the sensible ardors of her burning love of God. As soon as this miraculous assistance was withdrawn, the fire of her love consumed the life humors of her heart, and thus caused the cessation of her earthly existence. 742. Then this most pure soul passed from her virginal body to be placed in boundless glory on the throne at the right hand of her divine Son. Immediately, the music of the angels seemed to withdraw to the upper air, for that whole procession of angels and saints accompanied the king and queen to the empyrean heavens. The sacred body of the most blessed Mary, which had been the temple and sanctuary of God and life, continued to shine with an effulgent light and breathed forth such a wonderful and unheard-of fragrance, and all the bystanders were filled with interior and exterior sweetness." The thousand angels of her guard remained to watch over the inestimable treasure of her virginal body. The apostles and disciples, amid the tears and the joy of the wonders they had seen, were absorbed in admiration for some time, and then sang many hymns and psalms in honor of the most blessed Mary, now departed. The glorious transition of the great queen took place in the hour in which her divine son had died, at three o'clock on a Friday, the thirteenth day of August. She being 70 years of age, less the 26 days intervening between the 13th of August, on which she died, and the 8th of September, the day of her birth, the Heavenly Mother had survived the death of Christ the Savior 21 years, 4 months, and 19 days, and His virginal birth 55 years. This reckoning can be easily made in the following manner. When Christ our Savior was born, His virginal mother was 15 years three months, and seventeen days of age. The Lord lived thirty-three years and three months, so that, at the time of the sacred passion, the Most Blessed Lady was forty-eight years, six months, and seventeen days old. Adding to these, another twenty-one years, four months, and nineteen days. We ascertain her age as seventy years, less twenty-five or twenty-six days. 743. Great wonders and prodigies happened at the precious death of the queen, for the sun was eclipsed, as I said above, in number 706, and its light was hidden in sorrow for some hours. Many birds of different kinds gathered around the Cynical, and by their sorrowful clamors and groans for a while, caused the bystanders themselves to weep. All Jerusalem was in commotion, and many of the inhabitants collected in astonished crowds, confessing loudly the power of God and the greatness of his works. Others were astounded, and as if beside themselves... The apostles and disciples with others of the faithful broke forth in tears and sighs. Many sick persons came who all were cured. The souls in purgatory were released. But the greatest miracle was that three persons, a man in Jerusalem and two women living in the immediate neighborhood of the senacle, died in sin and impenitent in that same hour, subject to eternal damnation. But when their cause came before the tribunal of Christ, His sweetest mother interceded for them, and they were restored to life. They so mended their conduct that afterwards they died in grace and were saved. This privilege was not extended to others that died on that day in the world, but was restricted to those three who happened to die in that hour in Jerusalem. What festivities were celebrated on that occasion in heaven, I will describe in another chapter, lest heavenly things be mixed up with the sacred things of earth. Instruction which the great Queen of Heaven, Most Holy Mary, gave me. 7.44. 7.44. My daughter, besides what thou hast understood and written on my glorious transition, I wish to inform thee of another privilege, which was conceded to me by my divine Son in that hour. Thou hast already recorded that the Lord offered me the choice of entering into the beatific vision, either with or without passing through the portals of death. If I had preferred not to die, the most I would have conceded this favor, because sin had no part in me, and hence also not its punishment, which is death. Thus it also would have been with my divine son with a greater right, if he had not taken upon himself the satisfaction of the divine justice for men through his passion and death. Hence I chose death freely, in order to imitate and follow him, as also I did during this grievous passion. Since I had seen my son and true God die, I would not have satisfied the love I owe him. If I had refused the death, and I would have left a great gap in my conformity to and my imitation of my Lord, the God-man whereas he wished me to bear a great likeness to him in his most sacred humanity. As I would thereafter never be able to make up for such a defect, my soul would not enjoy the plenitude of the delight of having died, as did my Lord and God. 7.45 Hence my choosing to die was so pleasing to him, and my prudent love therein obliged him to such an extent, that in return he immediately conceded to me a singular favor for the benefit of the children of the church and conformable to my wishes. It was this, that all those devoted to me, who would call upon me at the hour of death, constituting me as their advocate in memory of my happy transition, and of my desiring to imitate him in death, shall be under my special protection in that hour, shall have me as a defense against the demons, as a help and protection shall be presented by me before the tribunal of his mercy, and their experience my intercession." In consequence, the Lord gave me a new power and commission, and he promised to confer great helps of his grace for a good death, and for a pure life, on all those who in veneration of this mystery of my precious death should invoke my aid. Hence, I desire thee, my beloved daughter, from this day on to keep in thy inmost heart a devout and loving memory of this mystery, and to bless, praise, and magnify the Omnipotent, because he wrought such miracles for me and for the mortals." By this solicitude thou wilt oblige the Lord and me to come to thy aid in that last hour. 7.46 And since death follows upon life and ordinarily corresponds with it, therefore the surest pledge of a good death is a good life, a life in which the heart is freed and detached from earthly love. For this it is, which in that last hour afflicts and oppresses the soul, and which is like a heavy chain restraining its liberty and preventing it from rising above the things loved in this world. O my daughter, how greatly do mortals misunderstand this truth, and how far they err from it in their actions. The Lord gives them life in order that they may free themselves from the effects of original sin, so as to be unhampered by them at the hour of their death. And the ignorant and miserable children of Adam spend all their life in loading upon themselves new burdens and fetters, so that they die captives of their passions and in the tyranny of their hellish foes. I had no share in original sin, and none of its effects had any power over my faculties. Nevertheless, I lived in the greatest constraint and poverty, and detached from earthly things most perfect and holy. And this holy freedom I did indeed experience at the hour of my death. Consider then, my daughter, and be mindful of this living example. Free thy heart more and more each day, so that with the advancing years thou mayest find thyself more free, more detached, and averted from visible things, and so that when the spouse shall call thee to his nuptials, thou wilt not need to seek in vain the required freedom and prudence. This concludes our reading today for day number 360. We've been reading from volume 4, book 8, chapter 19, paragraph 740 to 746. Yesterday, at the end of our reading, Mary was given a choice. A choice that she could either have been taken up by God into heaven or to enter into death. And she chooses to enter eternal life by the common portal of natural death. And why would she do something like that? God was offering her something special because she was the Immaculate Conception. She did not need to experience the effects of sin the effect of sin being death. But she chose to experience death because she wanted to do so, because her son did. Now, an immortalist, one who believes that Mary was taken up body and soul into heaven without experiencing death, would tell you that Jesus had to experience death because he was the Redeemer. He had to experience all things so that everything might be redeemed. But Mary isn't the Redeemer, so she doesn't need this experience. Perhaps one could maybe argue that this hints at the office of Mary as co-redeemer, co-redemptrix. That's controversial, a title, uh, one that I don't think we need to explain any further here. But she chooses to enter into death because... She wants to share in the likeness of her son. If we talk about the effects of sin, remember it brings us all the way back to the notion of Mary's perpetual virginity, her impart to during the birth of Christ, and the great arguments that took place over that. What did a virgin birth look like? What did Mary experience? What were the effects of sin that she was exempt from? So these are questions that have been addressed for so long. And then we had, as Mary dies, this beautiful moment in which three souls, damned to hell, because of Mary's intercession Come back to life, I believe, was my reading, my interpretation of what we read, that they were given a second chance, and because of that, they repented and changed their life and then were worthy of the kingdom of heaven when they died another time. It's anecdotes like that that make me really appreciate and love the mystical city of God. To think about the efficacy of Mary's intercession before the throne of God. As we think about Mary's holy death, and as we read about the death of St. Joseph earlier in these works, I think it calls us to think about our own death and wanting a holy death for ourselves. We can only hope that we could die in the state of grace,